0: And we are live. You are listening to Who's Got Next, Chiefs-based podcast where we recap last week and then look and preview the upcoming opponent. I'm Nick Catlin, co-host of this show, joined by my normal co-host, Christian Ainsworth. Christian,
1: how are we? Could be doing a lot better, but uh, the Chiefs didn't do much to help my emotional health this past Sunday. What about you? Are you coping well?
0: You know... Thankfully, I didn't watch a lot of the third quarter, at least. I think I missed the first 10 minutes of the third quarter, so I missed the pick six. And, you know, it is upsetting. The Chiefs are two and three. They've played some very tough teams. I think they've played probably the toughest schedule to start the NFL season. If you really look at it, they played the Bills. They played the Browns. They played the Ravens. And they played the Chargers. Those all all those teams led by, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield. And then last but certainly not least, Josh Allen, who was, you know, second team all pro with Mahomes last year. I mean, that's a I mean, this was a case that could have potentially happened to start the year. I mean, I was certainly a little concerned about the beginning of the schedule, but you're going to look at it and you look at the next three games, then you play Green Bay. And then after that, it really does become smooth sailing unless you consider their division opponents really that great. And I think the Chiefs match up very well with all those teams. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I certainly am not as concerned as a lot of other Chiefs fans.
1: So are you buying into the hype then that the Chiefs aren't going to be a playoff team? I know a lot of people, that's kind of the hot take going around where there'll be a wild card spot. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, I wrote an article yesterday that got published yesterday. It's on arrowedlive.com. And it's the three needs the Chiefs, you know, have to do to make the playoffs this year because they have started poorly. First thing I said limit turnovers. They're, they, and their turnover ratio, they are minus seven this year. Obviously, you look at the Chargers game and then this last game against the Bills. Those are where a majority of those turnovers are coming from, especially because it was 4-0 turnover favor in favor of those two teams. That's just going to have to be limited. And you know, we talked a little bit about it before the show, and you can get into it, into some of the specifics in turnovers. But that's one of them. Along with that, the defense just has to play better. Plain and simple, they have to get Daniel Sorensen off the field just has to happen. Um, And then last but certainly not least, beat inferior opponents. I don't think anyone they've lost to is superior to them. Maybe the Bills at this point in the season, just looking at how their defense is playing. But we'll have to see come January and February for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll go ahead and speak to some of those turnovers. They aren't like crazy. It's not like Mahomes is making an awful play and throwing the ball away. Like, these are turnovers – you, I mean, you didn't see the pick six last night, but uh, everybody else that was watching saw it. It hit off Tyreek Hill's hands and bounced into the the cornerback. Like that, those things don't happen very often. And I mean, you saw it last year with Tyron Matthews' interception on oh, who was there? Cam Newton. Whenever he threw it to Julian Edelman, and it bounced off his hands. Like that's a one in a million play. And for some odd reason, the Chiefs are getting four or five of those a game, which is insane i don't see how that can that can project long term but i didn't see how it could you know happen over five games in a row and with the defense playing as poorly as it has been which again you alluded to in your your three keys you you can't make those types of mistakes and the defense hopefully now and word is this isn't by any means a report or a breaking news story but Juan thornhill i've been told has been playing the majority of the reps at the one over this past week, which is great for, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, that's what you wanted, right? You've definitely wanted Juan to come in and take Daniel Sorensen's spot. It's just hard for me to hate on that guy. I, I don't know why. He, he just seems like the type of guy that can work, can get stuff done. Daniel Sorensen, I mean, who's never been the most athletic, but gets on the field with his smarts. But at this point, it's it's pretty hard to defend him.
0: Yeah, I mean it's huge for the program putting Juan Thornhill up there instead of Daniel Sorensen. I think Daniel Sorensen does have a role in this team. Despite my negative criticisms on this show, I really appreciated what he did for the team, especially in the divisional round uh, when they won the Super Bowl against the Texans. He had a huge uh, fourth down, uh, like punt tackle when they went for it. When they uh, when it was fourth and two and they went for it, the Texans did. He made a huge play there. And then I believe he made another play in that game, but I can't. Oh, I think he might have blocked a punter. He did something. Either way, nevertheless. Didn't he didn't uh, it,
1: force that fumble on the, the kickoff? I, I believe think that's so. What it was.
0: I was thinking that, but I wasn't totally sure. But that sounds correct. Either way, the guy's a big playmaker if he can get limited opportunity or not, I mean, yeah, I'm going to say it limited opportunities to where he's not exerting all of his energy throughout the entirety of the football game. Cause he is an older safety just in general. He's been on the chiefs for years and putting a younger guy like Juan in there. And then for big play situations and special teams, putting Sorensen out there would be huge. And I think that role he'd fit better than it's like the Peter principle in sociology. Daniel Sorensen is not going to be able to be effective on 100% snap count in an NFL game at this point in his career. It's not going to happen, especially given the team that's around him because it's, you know, this isn't the most talented Chiefs defense relative to what he has been a part of.
1: I 100% agree. Like him, him, and I saw this on Twitter, reversing the snap counts of Juan Thornhill and Daniel Sorensen, I think, is a perfect solution. I think they play a completely different style of football. I think Juan is better on the back end, Daniel Sorensen better at, as close to the line of scrimmage as you can get him. Um, but if he played 44% of the snaps, which is I think how many Juan played last week, and Juan played 100% of the snaps and even made a few mistakes. this is He's essentially a second-year player, right? Like he, he got injured that second year, hasn't really been 100%. I think that if he made this the mistakes that Daniel Sorensen was making we would be a little bit more forgiving. And and that's because he would at least be learning, right? There's no excuse for Daniel Sorensen at this point in his career to be blowing assignments. And hopefully that gets fixed with this upcoming, upcoming game. I mean, we'll see it is against the Washington football team. And I don't know, I'm just afraid Taylor Heineke is going to throw all over the field on us.
0: It's a real possibility. And you know, it's, it's something that you know they're going to have to figure out, Steve Spagnuolo, and I think the Chiefs have been able to figure out over the last two or three years. We've seen them start poorly at the beginning of the season, quite honestly, possibly because they play a lot of their best teams at the beginning of the season, if you really look at it and break it down. They're always playing the Ravens early. Usually they got a game against the Chargers who always have a good offense normally. And just teams like that, they're always playing those nationally scheduled games within the first five or six weeks of the season, it seems. And going off of that, another big play during that game with about 11 minutes left. the uh, Josh Allen was dropping back to pass around the goal line, I believe, at, at the one. Throws it up, gets intercepted. Frank Clark pressures him, hits him decently hard, but I didn't see anything necessarily wrong with the hit and gets called for the roughing the passer on the interception so they call it back and yeah what were your thoughts on that play if you had any at all
1: so I think that play is kind of been hyped up a little bit as like one of these worst calls that we've seen in a long time and don't get me wrong it was a bad call I would not have called that as a little ticky tack for me I don't know how else you're supposed to hit the quarterback other than how he did it especially that the angle that he was coming down but People are acting like that would have changed the entire drive for us. Right before that, there was a holding call, which, if you saw it on Mitch Morse, was awful. It was just as bad, like just straight up engaged. With yeah, it was tackle. really bad. It was and, really and bad. They got a first down on that play. So, I don't, I don't understand. I, to me, at least, it canceled out the bad, the bad holding call, and then the bad roughing the passer call. Neither of which were good calls. Don't get me wrong. But if we're talking about fairness, it was pretty fair to me. Once again, awful call, but fair.
0: It is a call. It is a call for a call. But at that point, he threw a duck interception. And in the show last week on Arrowhead Live Network, we we discussed, you know, why I thought the Chiefs were going to win. And I thought Josh Allen was going to make a mistake late in this football game. And I think that mistake could have lost them this game. I really do. You're telling me with 11 minutes left, Mahomes has the ball pretty much at midfield, down 11. The Chiefs aren't in a damn good position to win that game. I'd have to disagree. Are the calls, is it a call for a call? Yes, but I think the significance of one over the other is so poor. And by the way, when Josh Allen is pretty much on the goal line and he's holding the ball that long, that's on him. That's on him and his bad decision-making because we know that man makes bad decisions. And the NFL is going to learn that very soon. I promise.
1: Oh yeah. And he's been a very up and down player this year. I know people are saying he's as good or better than Mahomes. homes. We can cut all that, t- all that type of talk out. It's, it's not even close. That's an awful take, but going back to what you said, you, you do bring up a good point because the value of the two penalties are not the same. Like, one was an interception that got called back. One was a fourth down or a third down, uh, basically reset of downs. Like, that that's a change of possession. So, you know, you're swaying me a little bit on this. It, it, I think that the penalty might have been worse and more egregious on the Frank Clark side of it.
0: Oh, of course. And I'm just getting a little frustrated just, you know, as a fan of this team. I'll speak to my own biases here. And, you know, you watched that game. I believe, against the Eagles, Ben Neiman had a tackle that forced a fumble and he recovered it on the one himself and they, you know, called the guy down. And then you look back in the Super Bowl, we had an interception that got called for a bad holding call on Charverius Ward, I believe. And now you go to this game in a huge position, it gets called back. So in three of their last, you know, six games, they've had, some pretty tough penalties called back or penalties that call back turnover plays or just stoppages of play. And it's, it's really frustrating from a fan perspective for the defense.
1: Oh yeah. Super frustrating. And one of the things though, that I, I don't really get caught up as much as other people, I think in those, in those backbreaking penalties, because don't get me wrong, those penalties were bad. And I think that they changed maybe the momentum of the game. Like Frank Clark gets a sack right there. And it's interception or he hits the quarterback, no, no call. It's an interception that might change the outcome of the game. But at the same time, we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Like looking at the score here, 38, 20 is the final. I mean, you just, you can't, it can't be that far away of a game. Like it's, it's gotta be closer. The defense has to step up. The offense can't be making stupid penalties. I know one thing, Andy Reid said in his press conference this past week was we wanted to see Josh Gordon on the field more. Well, why wasn't he on the field more? Like there, there are a million things that we could have done differently in this game and the outcome would have completely changed. I'm not so sure if Juan Thornhill doesn't start and Willie Gigg comes back and plays hundred percent of the snaps over Nick Bolton and Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman more specifically, I guess, but if that doesn't change everything or or maybe Chris Jones, I don't want to speak to him because you know he has that injury. But you know, maybe if he would have played through it, I know that's asking a lot. I don't know what what type of pain he's going through, or anything like that. But if he was able to make this game, and we have our defensive line finally back on the field for more than one game of the season, I mean, like because that, that's all they've been together was one game. I'm not so sure that the outcome of this game isn't completely different. It might be. 30-
0: yeah, and realistically, you know, they really only have had one game together, and it wasn't even a healthy game, so I don't even know if you can really consider it because Frank Clark didn't even play the next week because of an injury sustained in that game. So it's it's definitely something to note and something to look out for. And then for Josh Gordon, I think one reason we didn't see him as much is because the Chiefs were down so much like so much during the game and he is new to the team so you're just not sure if you can trust him on Sunday night football under those lights not even really being with the team for more than a week so it's a it's a big ass for him i think we'll see more of him potentially in the over these next 3 games cuz the opponents do get easier for the chiefs
1: oh yeah and he'll have more time to integrate himself into the offense get some more reps with Mahomes you know that always helps with a wide receiver See, seeing more time, throwing more footballs with your quarterback, that makes it a little bit easier to get on the field. But So, speaking of wide receivers, and Michael Hardman had kind of his uh, – he had a quiet 76 yards. But looking back at the stat sheet here, I mean, nine receptions, 76 yards, 8.4 yards per, per catch. I mean, it's kind of a big game for him.
0: What more do you want? That man was eating on national television. El Avion, that man was flying out there. I (laughs) thought he had a phenomenal game. I'm happy with the with the catch rate he was having. And he's one of the many pieces that, you know, is ahead of Josh Gordon, at least in this point in the season, given his knowledge of the playbook, because Miko's been here for now three seasons and, you know, stayed relatively healthy throughout all that. I really don't think he has many injuries like that. And You know, I think that kind of speaks to that more so. But another big injury before we move on to the upcoming matchup, Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going out for at least the next three weeks will be eligible to go against the Green Bay Packers if he's able to come back four weeks from now. And how do you
1: think that might affect this team? Well, I think it might change – Veach's—I don't know how you—maybe his mentality going into this, like before the trade deadline period. There are a lot of trades that are about to happen in the NFL, like away from the Chiefs. A bunch of teams are going to be making moves, roster changes, things like that, to try to spice up their team. I think it might change who the Chiefs target. A guy I have that you know I think could make a difference is James Robinson from the Jags. Now, if if you'll remember back to this draft. The Jags drafted a first-round running back, and he got injured, of course. I mean, really unfortunate injury, but James Robinson has still been producing. And I think that bringing him in, he's on a undrafted free agent rookie contract, which is crazy, crazy low. I think the Chiefs could make a move for him, make a play, and get him on this team. I'm not saying that he would take Clyde Edwards-Alaire's spot, but I think that he could fight him. I mean, at least replace him until he came back and then they could switch the workload or at least share it between the both of them. Now, what do you think about adding midseason running back when our defense is this bad?
0: It's definitely an interesting conversation. I'm not opposed to improving the running back room. However, I think that Veach already built it to be, to have good depth. If someone was to get hurt, like, a Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who is running back one. Daryl Williams, I think, has been playing pretty solid in the Chiefs offense. And truthfully, he's got more of a chance to break off a long touchdown run than Clyde does because he moves a lot like quicker and he has the longer legs. Like Clyde's size to me seems like it could be a little concerning. I'm not necessarily not believing in him anymore, but there's definitely some running backs who have more upside. Jarek McKinnon can also break off a run like that. So I'm excited to see the jet and uh, Williams and see what they can uh, do now that they have more opportunity.
1: Yeah. me too. Jarek McKinnon, I think, you know, he, he's a little bit underrated. He played for the 49ers. He showed that he had elite speed. He just could never stay on the field. Like, and and that's something that has, apparently changed i don't think he's been hurt yet this year he could come in and we could see a vintage performance from him every once in a while i just don't know if you can rely on him as much as you can like a james robinson and i know throwing more draft picks at the most least valuable position in football is not usually a good idea but when we have this big of an opening and everybody we're playing against is running too high safeties you, you got to be able to run the football. And if I if Daryl or Jarek can't come in and, and produce, then I think that you know we could see a change. Of
0: course. Um, and yeah, Christian, I gotta ask, who's got next for these Kansas City Chiefs going into week six?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. I, I know Tyreek just had a down. No, game. it's the
0: no, it's for the opponent. Who's the opponent?
1: Oh, yeah, we got uh the Washington football team I almost used a racial slur for
0: (laughs) there you go (laughs) might have to delete the
1: podcast
0: yeah no kidding but in all seriousness Washington one thing that does really concern me about this team for them is that defense especially that secondary is very talented you know they've got uh, Landon Collins, who was a killer for the New York football giants. They also have former chief, uh, Kendall Fuller, who fun fact, when I was at the chief's parade, when they won the super bowl, he was, uh, he was the closest player I got to see. He was probably about 10 feet from me at one point. So shout out to Kendall Fuller, who was always a real lockdown corner for the chiefs and played through some big hand injuries too, and still produced. So, and then you got, Chase Young, Montez Sweat up at uh, the DNs, two scary players, especially Chase Young. And, yeah, what do you think
1: of that Washington defense? I think this is going to be a test for our offensive line. And not that they haven't been tested this past week or the week before that or the week before that or even back to the first week when we played the Browns. This is going to be a testament to how well Veach has done in replacing all of these offensive linemen. And one thing we'll go to, again, before we before we move on to anything else, before I'll say anything else, is we also have heard that Mike Rimmers has been taking the first team reps at right tackle. And I know how I feel about that. I think that Niang should obviously be starting over a veteran lineman who is probably better at playing guard than he is at playing tackle. What are your thoughts on that? Because I I know we talked a little bit about it before we got on.
0: I mean, I'm definitely no expert in offensive line play, but if he's playing better and we can let Lucas Niang kind of mature, rest the body a little bit, he has been playing four games. And if he needs to go back in, I think he's more than capable. There's no point in not trying something out, especially if it can improve things. But if there's no improvement and the Chiefs don't see that, I think you probably got to put Niang back in there. But I definitely don't think it's a horrible thing.
1: Oh, and I'm all about upgrading talent. Don't let me come across as anything other than that. But offensive line is is a notoriously dependent position on the people beside you. And you know, keeping that continuity, keeping those same tendencies between players on the field at the same time, keeping them as one solid unit, I think is extremely important. And I don't think that Mike Rimmer's coming in uh does anything to help that, especially against a super talented Washington football team defensive line.
0: No, you make a good point about their uh, about their defensive line. I mean, I think it's – they're very stacked, even though they necessarily haven't played as well as they hope to at this point in the season, especially because they did win that division last year. The Cowboys are definitely running away with it. But looking at that offense for them – A little underrated, I think, and it's going to be a fun game for the Chiefs defense, I think. Um, You know, you're going up against Taylor Heineke, who's, you know, a mid-quarterback. He's about in that middle tier in the NFL, I would say. You know, you're looking at their running back, Antonio Gibson, paired with uh, J.D. McKissick. Those two are... Those are that's a nice duo for them to go up against especially because they have struggled against the run. Thought they did a lot better last week but the pass obviously was the problem last week.
1: Yeah. Moving off well, from that, Scary Terry? Yeah. Another beast. You got to be able to lock him
0: down. He's good, man. He's good. He's real good. Um averaging about 80 yards uh receiving per game this year. And he's definitely a stud Adam Humphries along with them. I mean, They've got some pieces.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people had their quarterback as one of the weakest points of their offense. He hasn't been playing too bad. I'm looking at the scores here. Uh, it looks like whenever they play the Chargers, they only had 16. Then they came back against the Giants with 30, 21 points after that, 34, 22. So they can score. It's This is not like a team that is just going to roll over and let us beat them. This is going to be a tough matchup. And I think after the defensive performances that we've had over the past couple of weeks, I don't think any of these games are just gimmies. I think this is going to be one where we got to slug it out and hopefully the defense will take a step in the right direction. I'm not asking them to come out and lock down and we'll keep them under 20. No, I think that if we just see like, Oh, they're playing a little bit better against the run. Oh, scary. Terry didn't have 300 receiving yards on them. Um, They came out and their defense got two interceptions. Like, just little things like that. I think that if we can see, you know, a little improvement here, a little improvement there, we'll be much better in the long run. And we can start feeling a little bit better about this chiefs team.
0: Of course, Christian. And yeah, man, did you have any player you thought you were going to look out for to maybe have a big game for the chiefs or the
1: Washington football team? I got one for each side. Um, And I'll just go ahead and say it. McCole Hardman is due for a game, I think that last week we saw him get nine receptions, I think he's proving himself with Patrick Mahomes, and I don't really like, I I think our expectations at least have come down from what we thought McCole Hardman could be, so I think him coming in, getting seven or eight receptions, and, and playing an integral part in this offense, I think is something that's definitely feasible for him, I think him coming in, getting about 80, 90, maybe 100 yards, I know I said that he'd do that against the Ravens and that didn't necessarily pan out, but hopefully I'm wrong or hopefully I was, hopefully I'm right. Maybe I'm not wrong either way. I I hope that he comes out and has a really good game. Another guy that I'm looking at on the Washington football team is Antonio Gibson. And if you have listened to any fantasy draft or anything talking about Antonio Gibson, you'll know that he is an elite player, a special talent stuck on not very good team. I think he has the ability to come out, run on our defense and and maybe put up a hundred yards. I hope he doesn't. I hope our defensive line finally shows up and we get some downhill runners. Maybe Willie Gay makes a few hits behind the line of scrimmage, something like that. But I think he could come in and really do some damage.
0: Yeah. And I have a player I'm looking out for on the Chiefs side and it's got to be Juan Thornhill on the defense. I mean, you said it best. He's looking like he might get a, more improved workload a significant increase in snaps potentially compared to 44 percent last week and we've been tracking it all year here and no it's going to be fun and on the Washington side I keep wanting to say the nickname too it's bad but
1: yeah, well okay to be fair if you were to say it it's only because that it has been historically called that for the past 40 years so you're right you you have a clear slip so
0: but nevertheless um you know former Chiefs corner Kendall Fuller out there I'm excited to see what he does he has a huge contract there. not sure if he's lived up to it not even sure really how that Washington fan base feels about him but when he's on he's on and I'm definitely excited to see how he matches up with uh,
1: some guys in the slot with the Chiefs I really like that take dude like coming back against his former team, he's gonna have it, he's gonna have it out for him. I mean, we gave him a super bowl, so he can't be that mad. But coming back, I kind think in that himself. game. Yeah, he did. Yep, to seal the victory. Yeah.
0: And there we go. And Christian, last but certainly not least, you have a final score prediction?
1: Yes, I do. I think it's going to be 35 Chiefs, 28. Washington football team. I think the Chiefs come out. I think we have a few key stops late. I think it maybe feels a little closer than it actually is, but I'm hoping the defense makes it a little improvement here. We haven't been able to keep a team underneath 29 all year. I think this is the game that we do it.
0: Okay. Okay. I don't mind it. Mine's actually pretty close to yours. It's 31-21 Chiefs. Um, I know I've predicted the Chiefs winning all year. It has not panned out. However, the Chiefs podcast,
1: man. We have to. At this point, you, you almost have to be a homer.
0: I know. <laughs> You're right. You're right. But, no, I think the Chiefs defense looks improved in this game. I really do. I mean, the Washington obviously has a lot of talent. I mean, we've talked about it with scary Terry Gibson and even Heineke being as underrated as he is. It's going to be fun to watch, but I think the Chiefs defense has gone up against much better talent throughout this year. Quite frankly, you know, they're right there at the bottom with the Eagles because they've played up against all the best AFC teams. And, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see uh, the defense.
1: It'll be a game to watch, man. Hopefully we can get some turnovers and commit a few less.
0: And there you have it. That is the latest episode of Who's Got Next. We will be back recording around this time, so be expecting it later in the weekday. And, yeah, we hope you all have a great rest of your week, and go Chiefs.
1: Go Chiefs.